This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. We've got a lot of things we can pick off the tree here today to enjoy Steelers related. I think the first thing we have to tackle here on the Steelers Standard, though, is the news from over the weekend. The Steelers intend to, I don't know if it's exactly official yet as we sit here recording this, but I guarantee you by the time some of you hear this episode, it will be official, if not already. Taylor, Taylor, Terrell Austin, excuse me. Didn't think it'd be that much of a tongue twister. What a terrible way to start his career as a defensive coordinator <laughs> for me to flub that up. I have like the that. host of the number one listen Steelers show yeah. on the Steelers podcast network screw up his name. I think we should move on from him already. Because that was just a total flub out of the game. All right, well, that's all you need to know about Terrell Austin. Moving on. It's like in 2008 when the Penguins were playing the Red Wings in the Stanley Cup and Fleury came out of the tunnel first and just just fell flat right on his face. Then you knew you weren't going to win the Cup that year. Terrell Austin hired to be... Terrell Austin. Terrell Terrell Austin hired to be the defensive coordinator for your Pittsburgh Steelers. A lot of experience comes with Austin at the defensive coordinator Mm. spot. Was a DC in Cincinnati. Was a DC in Detroit. Detroit. The Detroit Lions team that he was defensive coordinator for won 11 games. And the defense, the year after he was fired in Cincinnati, finished 28th in total defense. So maybe that was more the players he was working with in Cincinnati than it was Austin's actual defensive coordinating skills. But very possible. He is going to be the man at the DC spot for your Pittsburgh Steelers come 2022 season. And I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. And I know a lot of people's initial thoughts are, here we go again, another internal hire. But if you're listening to a Steelers Standard podcast we did last week, we kind of, you know, did a little myth busting and debunked that. Not even myth busting, just did a little bit more than surface level research. But it's really like all these people pounding the fist for internal hires. Austin wasn't here a few years ago. I mean, this was a guy that was brought in. They kind of worked him into the system that they had established already, got him familiar with the players. He also imparts some of his wisdom from along his mm-hmm. way onto what the Steelers have been doing and kind of find a nice blend of new and old together. I'll say this. He acclimates himself to the team, and then you can make that transition very smoothly and very easily. You know, a lot of people are like, well, look at all these other NFL teams and how they do things, and they hire the big name, and they bring guys in and out like crazy every three or four years. There's so much turnover on staffs when things aren't going well. And they want the Steelers to go in that direction, but it's like, what franchise brings stability and always being competitive more than the Pittsburgh Steelers? Maybe the way that they've always done things yields some results. Like, maybe they know what they're doing just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't want to pigeonhole me into thinking that you can't be flexible at all or adapt or, you know, evolve the way that you coach or the way that you build a roster to the current style that's being played in the NFL. But, like, I think that as far as the hiring process and how they like to bring guys in before giving them the big-time jobs so they're a little familiar mm-hmm. before getting that bigger role, I think it's probably working out okay. I don't think it's as, you know, the sky is falling like a lot of Pittsburgh makes it out to be. I don't think the sky is falling at all. And what you said about Terrell Austin's time spent here in Pittsburgh came in, took over when I think the secondary kind of turned a leaf. That was a year, 2019, when the Steelers were ready to move on from guys like Sean Davis, Artie Burns, Mike Mitchell, 
and really rung in a new era of guys like Joe Hayden, even though he was there for, I think, two years already before that. But that was the first year Steve Nelson was brought on. That was the year Minka Fitzpatrick was acquired via free agency. Uh, that was the year where you saw Mike Hilton and Cam Sutton emerge in their smaller roles. So I would like to give Austin a lot of credit for the work he's done so far in Pittsburgh. Now, when you think back to when he was a defensive coordinator, not great. I mean, the really the only year that his unit was worth talking about was his first year spent in Detroit. Uh, they ranked the defense ranked second in total yards allowed and third in total points allowed. However, moving ahead of that, you know, you mentioned that he was in Detroit until 2017, and he was in Cincinnati for the one year. Not great, Tom. I, I'm not gonna lie. 18th, 18th, 27th, and 32nd in yards allowed over those four years. The next four years, 23rd, 13th, 21st, and 30th in points allowed over those next four years. 13th's not terrible. That's, no, that's a bend don't break. But it's a big, the, it's a big Detroit, drop. Right? It's a big drop. Yeah, it was a big drop from second and third. Every year, it kind of just got worse and worse, except for that one year in 2016 where they were 13th in points. But the only year that his defense was really great was his first year in Detroit. And so. Steelers fans aren't strangers to this, this theory or this or this fan take by saying, oh, it wasn't really his players. He kind of adopted the team at that point and was just reaping the benefits of the team that was already there. Now, normally hearing that in Pittsburgh, you associate that term with or that ism with Tomlin because of the job he did so early on with the team that my or Bill Cower kind of formulated. Uh, and left for him in his early years. But really, when you're a defensive coordinator, I kind of have to agree with it. If your team is really going to be that good in your first year, but then you wane and wane and wane and wane and wane, I got to have more faith in the guys than I do in the coach. I think that you have to take that with a grain of salt, though, because that year where he was really well and did really well in 2014 was what? The last year that the Detroit Lions were worth a damn at all at anything? Also true. And then the next year... They didn't do anything at all. They went back to bleep. And then, you know, there's a lot of probably roster change over that that occurs. There, oh, I can't imagine. I mean, that Detroit is not good. You, you They're just not talked a good about the, the definition of stability is, is here in Pittsburgh. But <clears throat> one of the the teams with the most turnover and maybe in NFL history, just because overall the franchise has had the least amount of success across the entire history of the league is the Detroit Lions. So I, I it's it's a great point by you. You know, players he was able to work with, uh, AP All-Pros in 2014 on Detroit. He had an Ndamukong Su, dominant player. Uh, safety Glover Quinn and DeAndre Levy, the linebacker. In 2015, um, you know, Jim Caldwell kind of on the way out the door. They went 7-9 and nine again. The only Pro Bowl they had on the defensive side of the ball was uh, Ezekiel Ansah, who was an early pick that never really ended up panning out too much for the Detroit Lions um, all year long, you know, they don't have Sue anymore Right. that next season. They got the remains of Haloti Nada, you know, the, the ghost mm-hmm. of him post-Baltimore to try mm-hmm. to replace him. So you lose Sue, you lose your best player on the defensive side of the ball. And mm-hmm. that's a big hole for you to have to fill. And I can see why that drop-off might have happened. What's interesting with this, though, is he's coming in, and yes, he inherits a really good defense, but he inherits a defense that has a lot of pieces that should be around for a good three-year period together, you'd think. Health permitting, of course. And 
you don't know what two it's going to do, obviously. And Alu Alu's going to probably be back, but he's kind of getting up there in age. And Hayward is too, to be fair, getting up there in age. But like, I still think you got a real three solid years with Cam Watt. Uh, sky's the limit, but I think you for sure have got three years of high play with him and Minka. And if you wanted to keep Edmonds around, I'm sure you'd get some consistent, mediocre play for the next three years. And I think there's some young corners that Austin is specialty is working with corners and defensive backs that he can help bring along and groom to become pretty big players over these next three or four years. So I think as far as this second time around, I guess technically third time around, but you look at 2014 to 2018, both of those teams in one block as his first stint as a DC, three years Lions, one year Bengals. I think this time around, you know, you kind of, you got that good start the first time, you know how to really jump in head first, get the guys on your side and, and play winning defensive football. But you just didn't know how to build off of that. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily because it was all your fault with the kind of roster mm-hmm. turnover and the players you lost and just being on a terrible organization both times. Although the Bengals have righted the ship now. But now you can see, okay, I can start fast with guys that are already familiar with me because I've, I've been here for the past, uh, since 2019, mm-hmm. three seasons. And I can also build off of a good first year, a second year, now a third year. Start stacking really good years with guys that I know and... As we work together, you know, maybe three years down the road, maybe you have the perfect kind of Terrell Austin defense to deploy and it's tops in the league or maybe it's mediocre. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But I don't think you're going to have the floor fall out too, too bad with the kind of talent that you have on that side of the ball. It's hard to do so. you got to be a terrible coach, right? If you have the kind of star power the Steelers have and just don't have the execution there. Now, I think... Uh, him being a primary, primarily the secondary guy, do you think he has his work cut out for him when it comes to the run defense? Well, that's a great way to segue into what mm. I was just going to bring up next, Jacob. It's kind of like we're on the same page here. It's kind of like we're a co-host. That's the biggest problem that needs to be fixed for the Steelers this offseason. And you have to have in the back of your head a little bit of skepticism about a secondaries guy. I mean... You want to talk about what his background is. 1993 in Wake Forest, defensive back coach. Um, Goes on to be the defensive back coach in Seattle from 2003 to 2006. His first break into the NFL. That leads into three years in Arizona as a defensive backs coach. Uh, D.C. job in Florida doesn't go well for a year. He's a secondary coach in Baltimore. Gets his D.C. stint in the NFL. Then he's a secondary coach for this year. like he's made his bones, cut his teeth in the secondary, much like his head coach did, by the way, Mike Tomlin. And you have to wonder how that will translate to coaching the big guys up front and so, really improving that run defense and coming up with schemes that, hey, if the rush defense is getting gashed, can I make the adjustments that'll you know maybe scheme some more guys up towards the line that can help reinforce that defense and make sure that they're not running four or five yards at a time on us? And again, I'll reiterate my point that when he arrived as the secondary coach, that's when the Steelers' secondary turned a new leaf. It used to be the run defense was solid and the pass defense was not great. And that had a lot to do with the guys that were on the team. I mean, it had a lot to do with the fact that the Steelers just were not successful at drafting defensive backs uh, via the draft. And that era of guys like... Uh, Sorry, Artie Burns, Sean Davis, Mike Benchel, you throw Antoine Blake in there. I mean, you can throw a ton of names just because of the amount of turnover there was because the pieces that the Steelers tried putting in just weren't working. Uh, the only really consistent one before that era started was, I, was, I would say, Willie Gay 
I can't Big think play of Willie Gay. I cannot think of another guy that was as and he kind of was young on the air before that, mm-hmm. you know, and like was a young gun with the Ike Taylors and that. And the Troys, right. And kind of came into the new guns and kind of brought was that the big last play mentality yeah. to the. I mean, he wasn't fantastic. Still though. made big just, plays, though. Joey Porter running right, his knees to him. We remember that play in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. But probably the best taunting penalty or. I mean, maybe the, greatest, then, maybe the greatest like touchdown celebration ever. That The whole knees thing is just I so mean, funny. I mean, it like, was the longest touchdown celebration <laughs> ever. <laughs> he celebrated with the entire team. With AB came out one, at one point. Yeah. <laughs> at one point, AB was popping up. Yeah. Yeah, it was beautiful. But yeah, and then once he leaves, you transition into this new era and. Until you went out and signed Joe Hayden, you didn't really have a guy. No, you didn't. But you you signed Joe Hayden, and then I don't know how much you want to credit Terrell Austin here, but I mean, you you acquire Steve Nelson, you acquire Minka, but he also helps develop Mike Hilton, Cam Sutton, and here's something for you, Tom. Kelly Witherspoon. Oh, great point. Yeah, you talked. Trey Norwood had a good year. Great point. Round pick. But we talk about his background in the secondary. Let's remember, Keith Butler's background came via the linebackers. Was the Steelers linebackers coach for, what, 10 years or something like that? A long time before he got the call once the Steelers parted, way with, parted ways excuse me, with Dick LeBeau. So is it, is it questionable to you maybe that a guy who is used to working up front and Keith Butler struggled so mightily these last two years against the run? Really, I mean, a lot more so in 2021 than in 2020, but 2020 it really started to... The wheels started to come off. Yeah, I mean, I think the injuries just made sure. what was kind they were of piling like, like up. You could do patchwork when you had the two. It's in the Alu Alu's healthy. Even if you had some flaws in your run defense, those guys can mask a lot of flaws. So when they're gone this year, the flaws that might have been prevalent for a couple of they years gone. now, they just show up even more so because there's no one to be like they they call like the great players like the, you have a great quarterback they're the erasers like Tom Brady an eraser he you can make a bunch of mistakes in a game and he just erases it away and wins Rodgers Ben mm-hmm. did that for his entire career you you can you can screw around on an entire three quarters and then in one quarter he erases everything and it's tie game and you have all the momentum like it, it can be the same way with defensive players it's, too it's it, different when it's defense just and I think you saw Cam do that a lot this I, year I I completely agree that's the, that's what I think separates Cam and an TJ so much is that. Despite maybe a completely stagnant offense, you're able to be in the game because of the job your defense is doing. It's a lot harder to call guys on defense erasers just because they're not able to put up points like an offense is, but they're allowed to keep it close. And that's exactly what Cam did. That's exactly what TJ did. So maybe that's enough. I mean, maybe if the defense stays healthy enough up front, right? If TJ and Cam and Tyson, key. I think those three are what Austin needs, right? I mean, I, I didn't include Stefan it in that category because we're on that list of names just because we still don't know what his availability will be in 2022. So I think if you can at least have your two D linemen and TJ, I think that should be enough to kind of put the bottle or put the cap back on the bottle and stop this outpouring of, of, of running offense against you. Yeah, I, I think that health was the biggest problem this year. So that would naturally be the easiest solution the next year because the talent's there. Mm-hmm. It's just it wasn't available on the field. You mentioned Keith Butler being a linebacker's guy and kind of like past couple years been less than ideal linebacking. I think it was just tough because you know it's just it's tough. To I really always think bring it was just up. this year though, not the past. Like yeah. really, it was just the disappointment of Joe Schober and Devin Bush combined. Yeah, and I think 
losing Vince Williams so close to the start of the right. season. That's a good point. Kind of got swept under the rug. Even though he wasn't the same Vince Williams as no, he was. No, but he would have been useful this year. Mm-hmm. And oh, for sure this year. I don't know if they go out and get Joe Schobert, though, if he does retire. Stay. But they should have anyway, because if you would have had Schobert, Bush, and Williams, and Spillane, that's a deep linebacking room. That's a pretty maybe, good linebacking room. Maybe uh, Bush and Schobert have better years just because There's, they're not, they're they not don't feel the much. pressure as much. And right. when you're in run sets, you just throw Vince and Spillane exactly. out there. And those two are really mm-hmm. good at stopping the run. And then whenever it's a passing down, bring Schob, bring uh, Devin Bush out there, make some plays. So... You could have done a really nice rotation there, but I think that kind of blindsided them this year. But I think you're right. It was mainly this year that was a big problem in that linebacking on the inside spot. It is really tough, though, to, you know, you don't want to bring this up because it's such a dark moment in Steelers history, but what happened to Ryan Shazier was just... I don't know if... It was a nuke. It was a nuke to the plans of the entire defense because he was the next guy. Like I don't know if one individual... I mean, maybe you could say Ben, right? But on defense, you saw Troy Polamalu get banged up in the latter stages of his career, but it was expected, right? The guy just sacrificed his body on every play, and you knew it couldn't be sustained for a long time, but he played for a solid, what, 11 years, 12 years with this team? Ryan Shazier was having his best season when he went down. Yeah, defensive player of the year was being talked about. You, I mean, a bombshell. And a team that was... The Harlem Globetrotters on offense, and the oh, de- right. the defense Great wasn't point. amazing, but it no, had he was. Him. It was you know. Right now we're talking. It had it the was, eraser. Right now him. we're talking T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward, but that it was Cam Hayward and 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 uh, well, Ryan Shazier. Yeah, yeah. And, and I mean some Shay- other guys too, but still. But those were. The, the, I mean, just like now, like there when were he playmakers got hurt that year. The defense became flawed. In I that. mean, you saw it happen. That was a year where. They were doing fine on defense, and then in the playoffs, they allow 45 points to be scored. If Ryan Chazier plays in that game, I don't see that happening at all. You know, Ryan Chazier plays in that game. Maybe he makes a couple plays against New England later. You know what I mean? Like, if Ryan Chazier didn't get hurt, who knows how that season right, goes. Right, because that was a year and where— who knows where the direction of the Steelers' defense yeah. goes, man. Like, they could have him and Watt together— just crazy being that, amazing players. I mean, to in think that about to think room. about that line with Cam and Minka. Mink, although to, who knows if you get Minka, but still, I don't know. Maybe you still bring in Minka just because I mean, Shazier is a linebacker. He's on a second. Yeah, exactly. Year. Like who? And to think about that to have your defensive core. Cam's older, but right now to say, wow, a Ryan Shazier who's probably going to be thirty this year. Somewhere around there. Maybe 29, 28. Either way. But to have him be still that young and that good, and then you have Minka, and then you have DJ, TJ, man, that's, that's a core. And they've been trying to replace him ever since, and Devin Bush was the right idea. It's a lot. A lot is riding on this year for him because as we work our way through this offseason, you're going to hear me kind of bite my tongue a lot about Devin Bush because I do buy into the fact that he was coming off of major knee surgery, mm-hmm. and his game is so predicated on skill, speed, and being an athletic freak that you lose a lot of that when you have such a terrible injury. And it's not just a rehab process of where, you know, nine months pass, you've hit the gym every day, you've done what the doctors and the, the physical therapists have told you to do, and you're good as, as, as new. Like It doesn't work that way for everybody. And I know a lot of people are pointing to Joe Burrow, and they're like, well, he had similar injury and look at him right now he looks great and i agree with you but it's different strokes for different folks like it can it can take devin bush two years to recover for what a joe burrow can recover in one year and that shouldn't be held against them 
but you should give him the chance to at least give you two years. Here's the thing, though. Say it's it's it, not good. This today next is February seventh, twenty twenty two. Say we're sitting here February seventh, twenty twenty three. It didn't go well, and it's the same year as we saw as this past year. Then we've got problems. then the panic button is being sounded. I don't. Yeah, and I think it's time to probably not sign him, move on, let him go into free agency, and try to figure out another linebacker in the draft class coming up or a free agent linebacker. But it's it would be time for me to say it's it's not going to work out with Devin Bush, mm-hmm. but I. Think he deserves the year where we could also be sitting here on February seventh, twenty twenty three, and being like, "Wow, I'm so glad we kind of give him right. that one more year because wow, he had three interceptions and he had like four sacks and he had a couple forced fumbles mm-hmm. and his coverage was better. Uh, like that's we could also be talking about that year his because vision was better, his speed was better. His rookie yeah, year was telling you that he was going to have three interception, four sack, five sack years. He was, he was just making plays all the time because he did in his right. rookie year. Right. So I think that if he can kind of capture some of that rookie year magic again and build off of that Devin Bush. And who knows, maybe we were going to see that that sophomore year until it's he possible. got hurt. He was having his best game of the season right. when he went down against Cleveland. We've so. all said it. I, I wonder what has to happen in 2022 on both sides of it, right? I think it's easier to say if he's making plays, okay, good. But what is like the minimum amount that he needs to do in order for the Steelers to say, okay, he's worth keeping again? Right? Like As in like... Afford to make X amount of mistakes. How many are is that X it, number it, going? He to be? doesn't have to be a playmaking freak for me to be like, bring him back. He's worth it. But he can't just be like, oh look, there's a running back wide open again, and who's in coverage? It's number fifty-five. Like it can't be every time that a Cooper Cup kind of player or a, a slot receiver or a running back is open, a tight end is open. It's it's you on his hip. I mean, how about behind, who was like, it? It was it was Mark Andrews against Baltimore in Pittsburgh when they went for two. Wide open. Just if it wasn't for TJ ran, Watt. Yeah. Forcing the pressure on Lamar to, to force the ball up. up. Yeah. He was wide open on Devin Bush. Yeah. yeah. But it doesn't have to be, oh, I'm a superstar playmaker. He doesn't have to, let's put it this way, he doesn't have to be TJ Watt next year for me to be like, oh, no, he's no, no. to come back. But he needs to be solid. But he's got to be like a, a Vince Williams kind of guy. And Austin's got to bring it back to put a bow in it. Austin's yeah. got to be the guy to get that out of him. He's got to. Austin's got to be the guy to figure out how to get the full potential out of that Schobert Bush tandem because Butler did it. You put stock in Schobert, clearly, you're going to bring him back this year, and you trade it up to draft Bush in the top 10. So you're going to commit to him for at least another season after the injury. Time to get as much out of those two as you possibly can. And you, and you say Butler didn't. To be fair, Tomlin has a piece in oh absolutely a piece of that pie that he's got to eat too. I mean he's but maybe now I mean you 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 are okay with parting ways with Austin or Austin with Butler retiring, in hopes that Austin can get a different result. That's true, and I think that's kind of what they're trying to do here. And right. they brought in Austin a couple years ago with this probably in mind that he would be groomed to take over for Keith Butler, as the writing was probably on the wall that. His performance wasn't slipping, but, I mean, Butts is old. I mean, he's been around for a long, long time, and maybe it's just time for him to retire. I think another key thing that we didn't bring up that I'm just remembering in this very moment, so I'm going to slip it in here at the end. Let me hear it. Another positive to bringing a guy in and kind of grooming him to get these kind of bigger jobs, Canada's a quarterback's coach before he becomes the offensive coordinator, Tomlin, more so on the defense than the offense, so this applies more to Austin, okay. has a lot to do with what they scheme mm-hmm. up, what they run. He's basically yeah. a defensive coordinator. You need to know that you have some rap, rap, rapport. 
yes, thank you. I thought you were going for Ian Rappaport. Why use Why use big word when small word make a difference? But when, when small word do trick, do trick well. Line. So you need to know that you can work well together. Yeah, and that's what you get when you get a couple years grooming. You can see around. Okay, so I have so a cup of coffee with Austin. You know, I'm, hey, we're eating lunch in the cafeteria. We like this guy instead of just like. All right, cool. I'll bring in uh, Vic Fangio to be my defensive right. coordinator. And then first day of practice, Vic Fangio's running all over me. And I'm like, I don't like this guy here. So here's my question. I'm glad you made a point because it kind of blends well with the point that I'd like to make as well. Okay, blend it. Is, uh, wow, you just threw me off there. Um, Carl Dunbar or Jerry O? Jerry O has been with the team for, for as long as Keith Butler has. Yeah. But Dunbar, the D-line coach, similar to Terrell Austin, similar to Matt Canada, wasn't on the team, was brought in as a unit coach. And both the, I mean, we know Jerry O has been with the team for a lot longer. Yes. But Dunbar has been with the team for, I think, one or two more years longer than uh, Terrell Austin has. And being the D-line coach, his job is pretty damn easy. When when healthy, when you're, you're, you're he throwing out. go of it this year. When you're throwing out Cam Hayward, uh, Tyson, and, and Stephon Tuitt, why do you think that you said that they brought in Terrell Austin kind of be, to be groomed to be the next DC? Why not go with Jerry O? Why not go with Carl Dunbar instead? Because it's not all about internal hires with the Steelers. Well, even though uh, no, that's what I'm saying is that, that they were internal hires. No, I know that's what I mean. But like, why, why, if would... you're gonna go, if you're gonna go with a new guy, like uh, if you're gonna go with a guy, if you're if you're making the change, if you have to find a replacement for Butler's retirement. And you're bringing in a new guy. Why not go with Dunbar? Why not go with Jerio? Why did they pick Terrell Lawson? Is my question. Are you asking a hype, like a rhetorical question? Like you have the answer? Why you think they did that? Or are you literally wondering out loud why these guys didn't get the job over? Yeah, I'm wondering out loud because you you had I said know. I mean I Terrell just think Terrell brought in to be that. groomed, and I'm thinking, well, why was Dunbar was Dunbar not brought in? No, some people don't want to be DCs. Yeah, I mean, some people don't want to take on bigger roles. Possible. Some people, Austin just probably was better than. You know, Tomlin goes to the facility and says Dunbar's awesome at what he does. I don't ever see him in a defensive coordinator role. But then he sees Austin's out in the open market, and he's like, I like that guy. Let's bring him in here to help coach up the secondary. And then as he's coaching up the secondary, he's watching him, and Tomlin's like, that's a defensive coordinator right there. I see a lot of things in there. So so, so, no, so so something must have clicked in Tomlin. To say that's got to be plus, it's also like okay, so what? So he's been there longer, Jerry O's been there longer, so he's next man up. That would be the narrative that a lot of right. Steelers fans right, think right, is right, reality, right. which is not the case. So but, it's just, I guess, the more interesting battle would have been between, or the more interesting story would have been to understand why they went with uh Terrell Austin over Carl Carlos Dunbar, who's been or Carl Dunbar, who's been there for only one more year because Austin's a thousand times better. There you go. I, Seems like you're trying to pigeonhole me into saying I'm not. No, I'm, I'm going to regret I'm later. Not, I don't not. like this. You're playing offense against me, and I'm just going to play defense right back in you. And my coach playing defense right against you, it's going to be Terrell Austin. Okay. You're screwed, you son of a bitch. I'm screwed. I'm no longer. That's uh, going to do it for this episode <laughs> of the Steelers Standard. You can't speak anymore. Done. Jacob yeah. Reck, Tom Offerman, we're out of here. Next episode, talking some senior bowl, talking some quarterbacks, baby. You know that's going to be fun. Can't wait to talk to you guys then on the Steelers Standard.